Parks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing how Unilever is coping with rising commodity costs and Lay's chips flavor-swapping flavors with other brands. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, food industry journalist and webinar moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Sarah Hand. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story about rising commodity costs and how they are affecting one specific company, Unilever. So despite these rising commodity costs, Unilever actually managed to record a 5% underlying sales growth in its second quarter results of this year. And the company recorded 6.8% underlying sales growth in the food and refreshment sector, which was ahead of beauty and personal care um, and home care. So how did they manage to maintain positive growth uh, despite these rising commodity costs? So a surge in at-home eating and pantry stocking during the COVID-19 lockdowns really allowed Unilever to cut back on spending in certain areas like marketing and store promotions because people really needed these commodities. So this was able to boost their margins and the company reported underlying operating margins of 17% in the food and refreshments uh, sector in 2020. It also reached its goal of doubling the proportions of its portfolio to meet uh, highest nutrition standards, which now stands at 61%. So that's quite different from some of the other food giants out there like Nestle. Um, But as most food and beverage brands can attest, the pandemic really threw a wrench into normal operations and specifically how they managed their supply chain. But even though Unilever doesn't exclusively sell food and beverage projects, products, it was not immune from pandemic-related disruptions. Uh, But now that those disruptions are beginning to calm down and things are returning to normal, costs are rising and consumers may experience price hikes at the retail level. So some of these commodity costs that are rising include everything from tea and nuts to plastic and gas. And while some of those things aren't food, they are involved in food and beverage production. Um, So these costs have investors and consumers wondering whether the margins will continue to rise in the second half of the year. Uh, But there are a lot of factors that are driving these commodity costs uh, of raw materials like really, really high consumer demand and continued supply chain bottlenecks. So the most important drivers supporting commodity prices are the global economic recovery and how quickly the reopening phase, um, you know, per country is, is, is occurring. So Unilever actually had to raise their tea prices in high inflation Latin American countries by 1%, which seems minimal, um, to help them offset the growing commodity costs. But the impact of that is unlikely to be felt by consumers until later next year. But as for its tea business, it owns brands like Tazo, Puka Herbs, and T2. Unilever said that its operational separation of the business is substantially complete following a strategic review process announced last year. 
But maintaining a solid customer base, really, despite these rising commodity prices, will also help them recover costs and keep their margins at bay. So one way that Unilever hopes to achieve this is by introducing carbon footprint labels on its product. So this is not a new, uh, you know, this isn't new at all by any means. But for them, they will be piloting um carbon labels on a select range of its nearly 75,000 products in the U.S. and Europe by the end of 2020. And that would make it the first um, major food company uh, or global player, sorry, to, to do that. So this is definitely something that will be targeting younger consumers who are pretty impacted by climate change and are often keen to use uh, their buying behavior to send a message. So the company Unilever intends to roll out their carbon labels over a very diverse range of products in the next two or three years um, and help, you know, I guess, help consumers make more informed decisions about what they're buying. So while Unilever and other food and beverage companies can't really control those rising commodity costs, they can regulate other costs that go into supply chain like manufacturing costs, transportation, and labor costs. So focusing on these areas of control will definitely enable Unilever to strategically plan for the future. But this whole story and, you know, just commodity costs really made me think about like what actually goes into running a um, you know, a global food company, and it's it's really a lot more complicated than than it seems on the outside. But I was wondering whether you guys uh, were thinking, if you saw a price hike in a certain food product, would you be blaming, uh, or would you be more upset with the company who sold it, or would you be thinking more globally and thinking maybe these rising commodity costs are to blame? <laughs> what are your thoughts on these whole like how these rising commodity costs affect like you at the grocery store? Uh, it's definitely. Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, what the source is, right? Mm -hmm. um, for sure. My, maybe I'm just like a typical consumer, but my my first instinct is to just knee-jerk reaction is to blame the company, right? Because these are billion-dollar companies. And it's like, even if there are, you know, the pandemic, it, you know, it threw a wrench, like you said, in, in, in everyone's lives, businesses to down to the individual, right? And I think businesses were you know, because they're billion dollar corporations, we would think that they had more of a buffer, more of a padding to fall on. But um, it, it just seems that they want to continue their their profits and, and, and to maintain that even in such a situation where a lot of people are struggling. And so, you know, hiking prices to maintain their profits at the expense of the consumer, it doesn't you know, fall right. But I can understand at the same point, uh, at the same time that yes, of course, like, uh, the pandemic has definitely led to a lot of changes, a lot of um, challenges globally. So right down from the farmers uh, producing a lot of the raw materials, um, and things like that. So but the problem is, you know, you mentioned tea and that, like I, I that's something I can't live without. So it's not likely that, you know, as small price hike would deter me but if there are like you know novel or new products that I might have wanted to try I'd be you know I'd think twice about that for sure but staples I don't know maybe I'm in a privileged position <laughs> right now but yeah I I don't know if I I think it would take a large 
ish price hike for me to like notice at first. I don't know yeah. if I keep tabs on like uh maybe some things I do like you're saying Aisha Staples I kind of know about mm. how much I pay every week for something like that. I think it would require yeah quite a hike for me to notice. I don't think commodity costs would ever factor into my mind unless I sort of did a little research of like why is this so expensive. The thing that comes to mind in recent years and this isn't this is a uh um vegetable but when celery was very expensive for a while and yeah. I was like oh what's the deal is there a problem with this year's celery crop like <laughs> did they not get as high yield as they thought and I think it turned out that it was like during the height of the celery juice craze oh my god yes so then grocery stores it was just like a ridiculous amount to pay it was like eight dollars for like a stock of celery or whatever it was like I'm not gonna for celery you know yeah um I think that's when I kind of like notice and look into it. I don't really think about commodity costs. Um, I wonder if this is a, I, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I wonder what happens when the commodity costs, if and when they do go back down, like as we're, you know, recovering from the pandemic, um, did, you know, would Unilever and other large companies decide to put their prices down again to normal levels? Or do you sort of keep it where it's at if you find that sales haven't changed? Yeah. Do you ever see that? Like prices go down? You see sales, but you don't see like a consistent, you know, it used to be two ninety nine, and now it's always one fifty. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I I feel like there is a baseline price, um, you know, baseline low level price that companies can can keep products at, but then it can really only go up. I feel like you mm-hmm. never really see it go down. Right, you don't no. see it go down again. Yeah, because yeah. because they've developed, you know, consumers are used to paying a certain amount for salary or what have you, and you know, if they see it drop, amazing. But if they see it at that consistent price, then that's what they'll accept. Mm-hmm. And I feel like companies aren't willing to take, you know, a loss um, or, you know, not necessarily a loss, but just reduce revenues um, just just for the benefit of consumers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like a really interesting strategic decision as well, because you've got to think, OK, how much do we need to raise the price to um, yeah, keep our profits relatively stable and and uh without like scaring off a lot of consumers that would normally be buying this all the time right and so it makes sense that they wouldn't want to put it back down again because i think that I mean, I can see companies saying, you know, these these commodity costs are always sort of rising and falling, but I'm sure the general trend is upwards. Cost of living kind of gets more expensive every year, cost of business, that sort of thing, gas prices, everything kind of goes up. I wonder if this is also another situation where something I mentioned on a previous podcast, um, if this is an application of that shrinkflation uh, (laughs) term that that was coined a few years ago. I think it was like during the whole like Brexit thing and and Toblerone bars were getting, you were getting less chocolate for the same price. I mean, I put it out there to you guys to see, what do you think? Would you rather pay the same price for a little bit less? Like not a lot less, but a little bit less of a product you'd normally buy or pay a little more to get the same amount of product? 
It's like it's like the same. It's like two sides of the same coin, yeah. honestly. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to probably pay a little bit more to get what I normally get,、mm-hmm. um, or maybe just trick myself into thinking I'm just getting the same thing、mm-hmm. for the same price. But it's really, it feels the exact same thing to、yeah. me.、Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think, Aisha. Yeah, it is. Like it's that, that's perfectly said. It's you know two heads of the same coin. Really, it's like the Starbucks thing recently. I think I talked about that too, where they were kind of iffy about oh less ice, but that means we're gonna have to put more of the product. So oh, are you sure you want that? Like、oh, I felt yeah, this at、yeah. different places as well.、Um, you know, and、um, that didn't even occur to me. But I was like, oh wow, like I don't know. It's just so it's weird.、Um, <laughs> There, I don't know. It's just that's true. The cost of living, everything, just seems to always be going up and on the rise. But,、um, but the but salary did eventually come down from that eight dollars、mm-hmm. stock,、mm-hmm. right? So yeah, yeah. And then I bought the game because I I was buying it for like soups and things. It wasn't like something yeah, I really、yeah. needed in my life. But I, I think there's probably a sweet spot on either side of this, and I think that sweet spot is not. Noticing, so not noticing if the price went up because it went up a very modest amount, or not noticing that I'm now getting 190 grams as opposed to 200 grams or whatever the measurement may be,、um, and I'm sure that is the sweet spot that companies like Unilever are trying to operate within,、um, so that you don't notice when you go to the grocery store if you're paying that much, a little more, or if they're using the shrinkflation. Thing if you're getting that much less product, that's that's、But、what if, I would think. Yeah, if they're doing the shrinkflation, I think they need to be transparent about that. Like they need to indicate that. Like oftentimes, I don't know if it's just me. Like I've gone to like let's say McDonald's, I've kind of noticed that their buns have shrunk. Maybe it's just me, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I think they've gotten smaller than they were. Is it just me?、Um, they definitely have over the years. And when I was a kid, I remember the Big Mac was like that big, or maybe I was just because I was a kid and relative size. I don't know. <laughs> But like, you know, things like that. Like, do you think they need to state that? Like, okay, now we have shrunk this. I think they now twenty five percent smaller. Smaller, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you're paying the same. I think they probably should, but I don't think they need they to.、Do. I mean, I remember the whole Toblerone thing being like a big deal,、yeah. like it was like written about. Um, but there's、mm-hmm. other examples I can think of. Like, um, a friend of mine was very outraged that. The、uh, cookies he would buy—I think they were like presents, choice chocolate chip、mm. cookies—had、yeah. like a few less per less sleeve. No, not the、oh. chocolate chips. Had、oh. a few less actual <laughs> cookies per sleeve. Um, but it was like the same price or something. I I don't think they have to like say anything about it. Weirdly, that that's the impression I'm under. I don't think they have to disclose it. Um, and maybe there is a certain margin there where as long as they're not making it, you know, super small or something. I mean, there could be—I don't know—there could be some sort of benefit here where they could market it as like 25% less fat or something because you're getting 25% less cookies. I don't know.、Um, I don't know. I'm sure they've kind of looked into that, but、uh, but、hey, maybe that is what they're doing. Maybe that's yeah, the less fat and less yeah sugary stuff. Well, often that's like this、know. isn't a shrinkflation thing, but you know, serving、yeah. sizes like in those little packets of. The tiny cookies or whatever, like yeah, they're gonna have less sugar than a big cookie because they're small cookies. Like I know that definitely the food industry、mm-hmm. has played with this sort of like portion control thing,、um, and I think to great success, honestly.、Uh, so maybe they could kind of exploit that in this situation while kind of 
taking care of uh, rising commodity costs. Oh, man. Yeah, because cons- I mean, a very uh, thoughtful consumer will look at you know both the serving size and all of the things that go with it, um, and, and yeah, yeah, and and you know eat proportionally to you know what the label says but uh very rarely do we actually pay attention to you know the grams or the liters or what have you on food packaging and if you don't look closely enough yeah you may be getting less for for your buck than you did before Mm. um so yeah it's it's really something that we as consumers have to be aware of because you can bet that food companies will not be willingly advertising how much less of a product they're mm-hmm. selling to you for the same price. Yeah. 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 To me that's kind of fraudulent. So the more I'm thinking about this, like the best thing to do would just to do the price hike if that's, you know, because like the consumer needs to be aware, you know, mm-hmm. like of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that transparency is important. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not Sure. I'm not about this shrinkflation. <laughs> I don't even know how common it is anymore. Although yeah. when I Googled it, I mean, there are articles from this year. And I would assume that if these companies were affected in this way by, you know, Brexit, um, certainly they've been affected in this way by the pandemic. So like I say, I don't know how common it is now of manufacturers doing this. But um, uh, yeah, it's like an interesting kind of phenomenon. Definitely. Um, So I'm going to move on to a little bit of a different story about Lay's and its newest potato chip flavors. So instead of looking elsewhere for innovation, uh, Lay's or Frito-Lay specifically actually looked to its other products for inspiration in its new flavor swap line. So um, it's been dubbed a chip in a chip that was already a chip. Um, And (laughs) essentially um, it's a very inception worthy chip that has uh, finally become a reality after a few months of speculation um, with three new quote unquote flavors uh, launching. So what does this possibly mean? (laughs) It's very hard to describe unless you actually see the chips or I talk about them. So Lay's is releasing or has already released a limited time only flavor swap lineup, which includes Lay's Doritos Cool Ranch. So they're just Cool Ranch chips, uh, except without that iconic triangular flavor and texture. And they're just in the form of regular Lay's potato chips, uh, as well as Lay's Wavy Funyun Onion flavor and Lay's Cheetos cheese flavor. So these chips all resemble classic, you know, thin potato chips, but they either taste like Doritos, Funyuns, or Cheetos. Um, So my main question was, why would Frito-Lay release chips that taste like other chips when these flavors already exist in other and potentially perfected forms? So a big part of this is texture, and texture plays a really large role in how food is experienced. So perhaps Frito-Lay concluded that Doritos, after all, they might taste better uh, in a thin potato chip form. And in the same vein, it also figured that Funyuns might, might taste better in wavy chip form. And at the very least, consumers are already familiar with these flavors, uh, especially Cool Ranch Doritos, uh, so there won't be any surprises in terms of flavor. 
So uh, in a press release, Lays said, or um, the senior director of marketing from Lays said that uh, from local cuisine to restaurant favorites to fan submitted flavor ideas, Lays has drawn inspiration from so many different places over the years to bring our fans joy through new and exciting flavors. And she added, this time we've partnered with three beloved Frito-Lay brands to give our fans an innovative, one-of-a-kind flavor experience like no other chip brand can do. So that really made me think how, you know, only Frito-Lay could do this uh, since they are really a chip giant and they can just, you know, go back into their <laughs> Rolodex of flavors and just sort through it and, and say, oh, we don't have to, you know, look elsewhere for innovation. We can just take what we already have and put it into a different format. So Lace Flavor Swap Chips, they're already available um, on Target's website and in some other retailers, um, but they are limited time only. And this is definitely not the first time that Lace has sort of pulled a, a sort of stunt like this. Um, they also brought back recently their cheesy garlic bread flavor chips as a limited time offering. Um, and they've had many contests over the years, um, specifically the Lay's Do Us a Flavor contest, in which fans can suggest different flavors. So some of the suggested flavors have been sriracha, chicken and waffles, and the winner uh, from that year, which was the cheesy garlic bread flavor. And then fast forward eight years later, and the contest winning flavor is back again. And Lay's is also rolling out three new limited edition summer flavors, including chili mango, wavy jerk chicken, and summer BLT chips. So the um, uh, switching gears a little bit from that, but these new flavors come as Frito-Lay workers ended a nearly three-week-long strike in Topeka, Kansas. So um, this was widely reported by the New York Times, but the workers negotiated a wage increase and a day off um, uh, each week to end some unbearably long shifts uh, where employees would only get eight hour breaks. So I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on these new flavors and, and this new product. It, for me, it really, uh, it, it really piqued my interest and, in, and, and, made me think why, but then looking into it a little more, my desire to actually try these, I'm kind of understanding why they did it. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, uh, on these and, and would you try them? Hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, when are they available here? in Canada? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think they're only available in the they U.S. Um, yeah. on Target's website. You could check and see if they'll ship, but <laughs> generally yeah. Canada gets the short end of the stick. Yeah. But, but my only thing is that, okay, even if they didn't have this Doritos connection and, and, and whatnot, like if they had just said, okay, or, you know, cool ranch in their Lay's thing that would have been enough I'm like hey you know for you know people who like cool ranch like myself I'd be like I definitely want to try it so and then this um marketing thing where it's like chip and a chip that was already a chip like no <laughs> like it's a tongue twister number one and it's just like I'm thinking about it but not in a positive way it's just confusing so I'm not really sure the marketing behind it oh but. so that wasn't actually Lay's that said that oh. that was yeah that was uh, when that when the pictures and images were first rolling out of uh oh. of, of this crossover that's what um okay yeah that's what something called best products uh called it mm. um, oh okay, okay okay which was a good and goofy way to sort of describe it um but yeah. not it wouldn't have been good on on Lay's part to to, to call it that yeah and but it's your Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
To your point about Cool Ranch, I think the term Cool Ranch is probably trademarked by Doritos. Mm. Um, So I think they'd have to say like, you know, chill ranch or sort of like get around that in a way if it wasn't if it wasn't Lay's or Frito-Lay that's why I'm saying like they they really can call it like Doritos Cool Ranch Lay's because Frito-Lay owns them all so they have that benefit there Mm. and like that you know that shared like marketing Mm. um and you know what you're getting uh flavor wise when you see like Cool Ranch Funyuns uh and Cheetos you know exactly what it's going to taste like but Mm. the texture difference is is what intrigues me the most yeah of course one is a corn-based chip mm-hmm. right the doritos and then one is the potato based a lot thinner uh kind of chips so it'll be interesting to see how the flavor the flavors translate over to the new kind of format or the new type of chip so i i definitely yeah i'd definitely be interested in trying it but i don't know like they're making to me it seems like they're making this out to be like more of an innovation than it actually is like it's just <laughs> yeah. a new flavor and like Lay's is known I, th- I know in different countries like um they have like you know sort of culturally specific flavors mm. and, and things like that so just introducing a new flavor it's not a huge thing but I guess they just want to hype it up with the the connection with their other products mm-hmm. which is which is cool but yeah I, yeah those are Cool Ranch is very addictive, so. Yes. (laughs) I think it's, yeah, a pretty easy, like, mashup for them to do. They've they've obviously got the, you know, flavor that's probably sprayed onto the Doritos that now they're just spraying onto chips. I I agree with you. I don't think there's a whole lot of, like, innovation that's kind of gone into this. Um, But I think it's not as strange as some of the, like, um, mashups between brands that are owned by the same conglomerate that we've talked about before. I think in an earlier episode of the podcast, uh, Mira um, brought up this new, I think it was a coffee creamer that tasted like Fruity Pebbles cereal or something. We were kind of all debating like, who is this for? Like there was certainly the nostalgia factor to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, who is this for? And like, is this going to sell? I wonder with like this type of promotion, because these are limited edition flavors, right? Did you say that, yes. Sydney? Okay. okay. I wonder if like, um, let's say you really dislike potato chips, not much of a Doritos person. Maybe you buy a bag of Lay's Cool Ranch Doritos flavor, fall in love with it. It goes away. Maybe you start buying Doritos start too. Buying Dor- <laughs> or like same thing with the Funyuns f- flavored chips. Like maybe then you start buying Funyuns. Maybe... Um, it's a simple kind of like mashup promotional thing for them to do, which might get more people uh, buying more of their products from their portfolio. I don't know. I'm trying to decide whether or not that would influence me because I'm not a huge Doritos person. Um, I think I tend to like chips more. So maybe I would try this one and like get addicted like to the, the flavor, the flavor so much, right? <laughs> and then like need to buy Doritos like once this, right. you know, hmm. goes off shelves. I don't know. But I think that might be Never part know. of their strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly, it is, they took a really easy route here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although, even though it it seems like it's easy, I would have never thought of that. Um, You know, like someone clearly knew what they were doing when they came up with this. But um, yeah, it it certainly also sounds more appealing than other crossovers um, or partnerships. Like a few episodes ago, I talked about the... KD mac and cheese flavored ice cream like that is just a disgusting oh, inc- 
conceivable <laughs> mashup. But this, on the other hand, we can already kind of know that it's going to taste good because who doesn't love potato chips and those familiar flavors? So it's, yeah, it's it, it, it seems easy, but it's also pretty brilliant. And people could really take a liking to these as well. And perhaps we'll see them come back next year or different flavors mm-hmm. next year. But Lay's is really good at, at getting um, consumers involved and voting on new flavors and things like that. So I think depending on how successful it is, we may see this again in the future. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, good point. I've never heard of Funyuns. I, I sorry, oh. maybe like totally. Are they only available in the US? I had heard of them, but I don't think I've had them. So yeah, Funyuns are kind of just like uh, I think they're circular shaped. Oh my god! Uh, and they're like kind of puffy. Yeah, they're yeah, pu- they're a little okay, bit f- okay, uh, puffy, yeah. Un- yeah, like yeah. vaguely oniony flavored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like a. I think maybe they're only available in the States, uh, but they're referenced a lot in TV and movies, oddly. Mm. Um, I've heard a lot of references to it um, in Breaking Bad, for example. Mm. Jesse eats Funyuns all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just a classic, like, unhealthy <laughs> yeah, yeah. snack food. We have versions of them here in Canada. Oh, yeah, sure. absolutely. I grew up eating those. <laughs> Yeah yeah, 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 but yeah. we 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 do okay. know Cheetos and we do are. know Cool Ranch mm-hmm. Doritos too. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my favorites. So yeah, I would love to try this if I could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lays, if you're listening. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X-Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X-Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.